Man, I'm glad that be true right there. Praise the Lord. All right, turn to with me to the book of Psalms 119. Psalm 119. We'll be looking at several verses here. Please keep your Bibles open. Psalm 119. In my studies of looking over those many, many verses about the heart over the past couple of weeks, I noticed a phrase that just kept sticking out to me and and catching my attention as I was studying the Word of the Lord. And it was the phrase that we're going to read in these verses, see if it stands out to you. Psalm 119, let's begin in verse number 1. You'll find it in verse number 2 and in verse number 10. It's something that is repeated several times by David. You'll notice in Psalm 119, verse 1, he said, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep His testimonies, that seek Him with the whole heart. And then you'll notice down in verse number 10, he says, let's back up to verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Do you understand tonight that your, your heavenly Father, the God who sits upon the throne between the cherubims, that He looks down upon the earth and He looks down upon the hearts of men and women and He seeks after that, what the Bible refers to as the, the perfect heart. You say, well, Brother Roger, I might well give up. I'll never have a perfect heart. Well, maybe it's because you have the wrong definition of the word perfect. He looks down upon the earth. He looks for a heart that is whole. That sometimes the phrase is used, with all thine heart. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. With all thine heart. Sometimes uh, the word whole means we get our word integer from. Not a fraction, but a whole number. And that's the word we get our word integrity from. So when you talk about the whole heart, with all your heart, we're also talking about a heart that has integrity before. That it's not divided, it's not fractured uh, before the Lord. And so God looks down upon the earth. And by the way, I think every man that marries, and he says, and looks in the eyes of his to-be wife, and uh, he hears her say, I do, he is wanting all of her heart. And when she looks at him, and he says, I do, she is looking and expecting all of his heart. To be toward her in the area of commitment. And so he would not stand up there and say, now look, I got about three quarters of my heart that I'm giving to you. But there's another woman. I've got a quarter of of my heart that I've kind of reserved for her. How do you think that would go? And so the Lord is looking upon our hearts. Because the adversary, the world and the flesh and the devil are always trying to get a piece of our heart. 
to try to get us off target with God and so that He doesn't have all of it. And we have to work at it. And sometimes in the Word of the Lord, it's a heart that's purposed. It's a heart that is committed, that is single-focused. Like sometimes David's men is referred to when they would when they gathered the army to commit themselves to David's army. They were men that were single-hearted, not double-hearted. They were committed to him, not partway with Saul and partway with him. They were committed completely to his leadership. Do you understand? And they were willing to follow after him with a desire to please him. Kind of you get the gist of the whole heart here. And uh, David even said one time, my heart is fixed. Now that doesn't mean his heart never hurt. doesn't mean that his heart never um, had issues or was broken or grieved. But it meant that it was fixed on the Lord. It was concreted. It was focused. And so, you know, it's an amazing fact to me when the Lord talks about David. Because remember... When we read this now, we're talking about David here tonight. If you remember that Saul was a king chosen by the Lord who disobeyed God and God set him aside. And when the Lord sent Samuel to choose his replacement, they called all of Jesse's boys, called seven of them, left one out in the pasture with the sheep, called all those seven guys up and trotted them before Samuel. And man, these were the guys that were buff. These were the guys that were older. These were the guys that were experienced in battle. And as Samuel looked them over, he said, well, surely it's that one right there. And the Lord said, no. He said, well, surely it's this one. This is the tallest, the biggest, the fastest. And he said, no, it's not that one. And so Samuel said, okay, do you have another boy? He said, yeah, I do have another son, but he's out there on the backside 40 taking care of some sheep. He's the youngest. He said, go get him. And so they brought him in his youth. In his youth. Now listen to me, boys. In his youth, young ladies. God looked down and saw in his youth a heart that was after God. In his youth, he had a heart that was after God. What a blessing that is when I read that. And I think about Daniel having a heart like that. That in his youth, When he got over there in Babylon and they were going to ask him to compromise his convictions, the Bible says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. In his youth, he had a heart after God. Why, even Samuel. Samuel was a young man who the Lord, when the Lord would speak to him, he began to seek after the Lord in his youth. Sometimes we think you have to be 30, 35, or 40 for God to speak to your heart. You need to get that out of your mind, fellas. The devil wants your youth. He wants your youth. Joseph, we read this morning, was but 17 years of age. He refused to compromise and and, and stayed after God in spite of all the adversity that he faced. He had a heart after God. So I want you to consider the great example that God has left for us because the Bible does say, The Lord looked down upon the earth and He said, You know what I have found? I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. And I think that David, uh, to compare him with some of the other guys, let's compare him to Saul and to Solomon. He's in the middle. I think I look at Saul, I see no heart. I, I look at Solomon 
And he started off good, but then I see him half-hearted. But when I look at David, I see a whole heart. A whole heart that is after God. As a matter of fact, you hear him say this in Psalm 63. He says this. He said, O God, he said, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land. Look in verse 10 again. He says in verse 10, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Do you remember one of the songs we sing that comes off one of the psalms? He says, As the deer, as the deer panteth after the water brook. His heart, he thirsted for God. He wanted to see the Lord. He wanted to see the hand of God in his life. What is it that sometimes it shows us that he had a heart after God? Well, I think we can see some of it. You'll notice in Psalm 119 in verse number 9, you'll see that David had a... And this is how you can check your heart to see if it has some integrity, if there's some wholeness to it, if it's committed to the Lord. Uh, We can check that. Though I'm not a heart doctor, I can check your heart of whether it's after God. I need to know what is your attitude and your and your respect and your what can I say your estimation of the word of God. Now if you just go home and throw your Bible up on the shelf, don't tell me that you have a heart after God. If your Bible winds up on the dashboard of your truck and your car and it gets warped by the sun, and you just stick stuff in there to, to remind you of what you're going to do next week at work. Don't tell me that your heart's after God. Right. You come to church and somebody has to punch you with an elbow or, or, or get you to pay attention. Don't tell me that you have a heart after God because you don't. Right. You do not. You say, well, you ought, to, you ought to keep me awake. Not my job to keep you awake. Not my job to keep you awake. I can keep you awake if that's what you want me to do. But you ain't going to like how I keep you awake. I mean, my, my grandsons have got some serious soaker guns. You know what I mean by a soaker gun? You know what I'm talking about? You see these kids, you fill them full of water, and you pump them up, and you fall asleep. I mean, I can hit you. Now, there may be some collateral damage around beside you, but I can get you. Really, if I see you nodding off, I'll just come right down there beside you and just kind of sneak up there beside you and just do like that right there. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? I bet you that would wake you up. Seriously. Talking about your respect for the Word of God in your private life. Look at Psalm 119 with me in verse 9. He said, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereunto according to thy word? Now, as young man, David said, if I'm going to keep my way clean before God, I'm going to have to respect His Word and take heed to it. And he said in verse 10, With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And he didn't have three or four copies of the Bible that he could carry around with him. He had to hide that Word In his heart. And he was actually being used of God to write some of the word of the Lord. But look with me again if you would in Psalm 119. Look in in, uh, verse uh, number 33. Verse number 33. Look over there. He said this. And listen. He wanted to know more. He had a hunger 
He had a thirst. He wanted to know more that he might do more to please God. Why do you want to know more Bible? Is it so that you can debate it? Argue it? Or do you want to please the Lord? Do you want to know what God wants you to do? And he wanted to know more that he might do more to please the Lord. Look in Psalm 119 verse 33. Look what he says. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Lord, if you'll show me, I'll do it. He said, I shall observe it with my what? My whole heart. Lord, if I'm stepping out of the way, it's because I don't know any better. If you'll show me, I'll correct it, and I'll do it. Now, that's an attitude right there. God, if I'm out of sorts, please. Reveal it to me through your word. Show me in the scriptures. Now, I can't please men, but I want to please the Lord. And if he'll show me in his word that I'm doing something wrong, I want to correct it. I want to fix it. And he says in verse number 35, Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I what? Do I delight? I delight to do thy will. Not a dread for you. If, you. if you come up to me and say, Brother Roger, you're doing something that just ain't right. You're grieving the Lord. Here's what the Bible says. If my heart's tender toward God and my heart's after God, I will look at that and I will consider that. I'll weigh that out. I'll pray over that. I'll meditate on that. And if, if, I, if the Lord confirms that to me, then I've got to correct that in my life with all of my heart. And I think you see this in David's life as a young man. You can see it in his respect. For his mother and his father. And, and his subjection to God-given authority. That young man wanted to be down there with his brothers. And he wanted to watch the battle. But his dad said, I want you to take care of those sheep, son. And he said, yes, sir, dad. I'll do it. And that's exactly what he did. Until his dad called for him. And then when his dad called for him, he said, son. He said, listen. He said, uh, how about you carrying these cheese and crackers down there to your brothers and check on them and see how they're doing? He said, yes, sir, Dad, I'll do whatever you say. And this was even, some of this was even after his anointing by Samuel. He didn't get the big head. He knew that anointing was not for him. That anointing was for God's timing and for God's will and for God's glory. Not for him. And this was reflected even in his attitude toward Saul's position as the king. As a matter of fact, when Saul went after him, he said, I will not lift up my hand against the Lord's anointed. He said, I won't do it because it would displease God. He said, I won't do it. Now there's a man after God's own heart. He even was willing to be chased all over the woods and up and down the hills of the caves. But he said, I won't do it. Here's a young man. God looked down and said, here's a young man that really does love my word and really does delight in my will. I am pleased with that. How about you, young man? Does your Bible mean anything to you? Is it a war manual to you? Is it a way of life for you? Does it show you how to make your decisions? Do you want to make those decisions to please the Lord? Young lady, it'll reflect in your attitude at home. If your heart's after God, it'll show up at home first. And there might even be a boss that God lets you work for that's mean, that's uh, not uh, just like Saul. And God may test your character and your integrity and your heart to see if that are you going to serve the Lord? Are you going to serve man? 
I think if you had a job, you ought to just do what's right because it pleases God. Whether the boss appreciates it or not. Amen. Amen. But I want you to notice something else about David. Look in Psalm 119, verse 69. I want those things in my heart. Lord, teach me, show me, open my eyes, illuminate my heart. Look in Psalm 119, verse 69. Something else he did. And I see this right here, Brother Kevin, in his response in dealing with criticism and with the cowards that were in his life. You'll notice in verse 69 he said, The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. He said, Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. When he was sent by his father to look after the needs of his brothers, I want you to take, keep your hand in Psalm 119. We're going to come back to it. But would you take the time to turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 17 for just a moment? We've got to look at this. This is good stuff here, right here. I love it. Look at 1 Samuel 17. When he gets down there, uh, he's, he, he has been sent. Now listen, remember, there, are, there is no CNN, no Fox News. He can't watch something every few seconds to see how the war is going. He just knows there's a battle and he knows that uh, his brothers are down there and they're warriors. And his dad said, son, I need you to go take them a few groceries and check on them. Make sure they're still alive. Make sure, tell me how things are going, son. Just, just and can come back. So he gets down there and uh, he gets, gets up early. And he's a responsible young man. He takes those sheep and he doesn't just, hey, okay, you boys, y'all just do the best you can till I get back. He says, no, I, I'm going to find somebody that can look after you and that will keep you until I get back here to look after you. And he did that. So he gets down there and uh, he sees the brothers in this, like the trench here that they're getting ready to go to battle. And of course, you know the story here. Man, Goliath is marching up and down in front of the whole armies and he is cussing God and he is defying the king, defiling the king and he is... He is just reproaching the God of Israel. David hears and sees all of this, and he goes to check on his brothers. And you notice in 1 Samuel 17, and verse number 28, the Bible says in verse number 28, because he hears the men talking about what King Saul would do if somebody would just step up, be a man, and take Goliath on. But he would give him his daughter. But he would make him a son-in-law to the king and all of that. And David heard all of that, but I don't think that was his motive. I think his, his motive was, well, how come somebody's not stepping up? In verse number 28, you'll notice this. And Eliab, his eldest brother. Now, he's the one that he's thinking. I'm thinking Eliab is a guy that he thought would be chosen and anointed to be the next king. Remember when Samuel was going through all the brothers? Well, he's thinking probably it should have went to the firstborn. That's who he is. And he says, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. Now why? It's just your little brother. He just brought you some groceries just to check on you from dad. And he looks at him and said, Why camest thou down hither? What are you doing here? What are you up to? 
And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? You know, he's making fun of him. He said, what are you doing down here amongst us men and us soldiers? And what would you do with those? He didn't just say sheep, Brother Lauren. He said, those few sheep, like dad couldn't trust you with a whole flock, so he just gave you a few to look after. He is really jabbing him in front of the other men. You understand? In front of the other guys. Now, David hadn't done anything except just show up, do what his father said. And he says, look what he says to him. He says, I know thy pride. Now, brother, listen, this is the pot called the kettle black right here. And you know that that's what the proud people will do. They will forge lies against you. And they will say things about you that are not true. They will accuse you of things that are not so. And they're actually guilty of some of the very same things that they are accusing you of. And you just have to stay with God with your whole heart. David said, they have forged a lie against me, Lord. He said, but I'm going to follow your precepts. He refused to be intimidated by his brother who was falsely accusing him. And jealous of him. He said, I'm not going to lose my focus here. He says, I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. Oh, wow, God's looking down upon his heart and likes it. His brother looks down upon him and says, why, you naughty. And listen, remember we studied that naughty guy. There's seven abominations in his heart. He's really, really, really peeling on his brother here. He says, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, look, man, what have I now done? He said, and by the way, is there not a cause? He's reminding his brother, hey, isn't there, isn't there a reason for all this going on? Isn't there a cause? You hear what that guy is saying, this is not about me, this is not about you, this is about the name of God, brother. He could see past that. This is his response. And look in verse number 30, he turned from him. He's not allowing his brother to determine his destiny. And when you receive criticism, especially from people who are doing nothing, but watching, observing, attending, but doing nothing, don't allow them to determine your destiny that God has laid out for you to do the will of God. And the Bible says here in verse 30, And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed him before Saul, and he sent for him. Now Saul's a desperate king. He sent him for a young man who has no armor. But it obviously, David has made it clear. I'll take that guy on. He's not going to cuss my God like that. My God's bigger than him. This was David's heart. I can prove that to you here in just a minute. This is the way David's thinking. And so he looks at this, and David's courage in his heart, his fear of God is greater than his fear of Goliath. I love it. And you'll notice here in the Scriptures, he makes that very clear. And look over in verse number 45. Now it's time for the battle. And he's up there, and now he's going to get cussed out again. So this time it ain't by his brother, this time it's by Goliath. So he's getting another cussing, he's being called a dog and a, and a, and a stick and everything else. And But notice what David says to him. Now that, now that Philistine looks at him and says, listen, come on up here boy, 
He said, I'm fixing to feed you to the birds, man. I'm fixing to feed you. fixing to be buzzard meat. That's really what he's telling him. And dog meat. In verse 45, then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield. He said, But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. I love David's confession of faith here. He said, This day, the Lord's fixing to kick your behind. Now that's in the vernacular, that's in the Hebrew. You understand? Verse number 46, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. And he said, And I will smite thee. He said, And take thine head from thee. Man, this has got to be an interesting scene. You got guys bigger than lined up around there that probably make Brother Gary Brown looked like a small child. And these guys are lined up around there and they're hearing this argument of this young man against this giant of a man. And he is a giant of a man. And he said, he said, well, I'm going to take your head off. I'm going to smack you upside the head and I'm going to take your head off after I smack it. I love it. And he said, I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines. He said, I'm not just going to kill you, but I'm also, you, you said you were going to feed me to the buzzards. I'm going to feed you and your buddies to the buzzards. Amen. And he says this, he said, I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. He wasn't interested in the glory. He was interested in defending the name of the Lord. And God's looking down from heaven and said, Man, I like this boy's heart. He's more interested in my glory than he is his glory. Verse 47. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And you'll find that repeated over and over in the book of Psalms in different ways. That God is his refuge. God is his strong tower. God is his high tower. Now notice he says, the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. And he took Saul's army basically earlier and said, look, you, you keep this stuff. I got some stuff that will work here. And he took those stones and you know what he did, man. He went before that guy with, in the name of the Lord. He let that stone go, man, and it sunk right down in that dude's head and he fell like a tree. You know what's an amazing thing is? He went up there and picked up that big old sword which was probably about as big as him. No kidding. He picked that thing up but David was no sissy. He was no weakling. He wasn't sitting out there watching the sheep, you know, just strumming his his, uh, mandolin, you know, and uh, just eating peanut butter and crackers. That wasn't what he was doing. That young man had learned to fight. He had learned to defend those sheep against the lion and the bear. He knew he was a manly man. He was a manly young man. He gets out there, man, and he throws that thing out there and he takes that sword and cuts that dude's head off. How can you imagine he's walking around later with that head? Man, that blood just a dripping. He said, I told you, buddy. Didn't I tell you? 
<laughs> he might even put his hand up in there a little bit and say, didn't I tell you? Yeah, you told me. <laughs> I mean, man, it would be hilarious. And put it up there with that sword. Man, I'm telling you, God looked down and said, you know what, I think I'm going to fight for this boy. God, did God fight for him? Yes, he did. Why? Because his heart was after God. His heart was after God. Now let me close this quickly. Look back in Psalm 119 with me if you please. He refused to let the opinions of others dictate his direction and his decisions. He said, brother, you can cuss me all you want. You can make fun of me all you want. But I've got my ears closed. I'm going to serve the Lord because there's a cause here. And it's bigger than you and it's bigger than me. And you gotta, you gotta quit listening to everybody and what they're saying. What they're thinking about you and what's going on. You gotta see that the work of the Lord here is bigger than me. It's bigger than you. There's a cause here. There's a cause for this generation and the next generation. In Psalm 119, you'll notice something else about him. You notice in one verse number 145. Psalm 119, 145. And, and I think the Lord truly loved this about David. Just give me a few more minutes of your time. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 145, He says, I cried, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. I will keep my statutes. I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. And if you look in, um, you'll notice carefully, it's back in verse number 58. If you would flip back over to verse number 58, I believe it is. The Bible says, I entreated thy favor with what? My whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. So what do you get out of that? Well, here's what I see. I see a man that when he talked to God, when he took the time to make the effort to talk to God, There were no flowery words. There was no vain repetitions. He was not taking a prayer book that somebody else had written. He was talking to God from his heart. And he would pour his heart out to God. He says, is that a big thing with God? Absolutely. Absolutely. He taught his disciples. He said, listen, when you pray, don't offer me up vain repetitions like the hypocrites and the Pharisees do. Don't do that. He said, you go. He said, they think they'll be heard for their much speaking. He said, you go in that prayer closet and you pull your heart out to God and you see what happens. God who sees and hears you in private, He'll answer you openly. And so what I see about David here now, I want in my heart. Now when I say that he sought after the Lord, he poured his heart out to God with all of his heart. When David needed deliverance, that's who he went to when he talked to God from his heart. When David needed directions, do you remember Ziglag when when he came back to town and that town was on fire, his family was gone, and all those men were fixing to take him, his his main warriors, they were going to take him, they were going to kill him. They hated him for what had happened. They blamed him for what had happened. The Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. The only way you can do that is go to God alone and pour your heart out to God. And he asked God for directions. What what would you have me to do? And God said, okay, son, I want you to pursue. 
And God began to give him some directions after. And the reason he was in that position is because he, he questioned. The Lord had delivered him from the hand of Saul. But he ran into the land of the Philistines. He acted like he was crazy and stupid and was letting his spit run down his beard and scratching the wall and acting crazy so they wouldn't kill him. And for a moment there he was weak. And here's the thing about David. God wasn't looking for a perfect man. God was looking for a perfect heart. You don't have to be perfect in everything that you do. It is when you fail. And when you get weak, what do you do? You understand the difference here? You think that if you fail, that God can't use you. It is what do you do when you fail? And when you get weak, what do you do? Do you turn to God? Do you ask Him to forgive you? And do you get back on track? And David had, 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 had gotten involved in some things there, and then God took his family away from him to drive him to his knees. What does God have to do to get you in the prayer closet? I'm talking about to really, really get you in there. What you got to do to get you to talk to him? I'm talking about really talk to him from the heart. Where I'm thinking sometimes you're just sobbing. I'm talking about where sometimes there's not words for what you need to say. And if God doesn't show up, you're sinking. When those moments came in David's life, he went to the Lord and poured his heart out to God. And so you find here that when he needed direction, when he needed deliverance, when he was in distress... When he was discouraged, when he was wrong. Man, when David got in trouble with Bathsheba and he sinned against God, here's the difference between him and Saul, and it's a big difference in the, in the eyes of God. Here's the big difference. When Saul sinned against the Lord, you know what he would do? Anybody got a suggestion right there? What would he do, Brother Kevin? He would blame everybody for why he did what he did. He was a victim. When David sinned against the Lord, and when he was confronted by the men of God, he did not bow up like some of the other kings did when men of God would confront them. And when Nathan said, Thou art the man, he said, Man, that's me. And I'm telling you, man, Psalm 51, you look at David pouring his heart out to God, and he's begging God to forgive him, and he's saying, God against you, and you only have I sinned in God. Please create in me a clean heart. And he said, I beg you, Lord, please don't take your spirit from me. He Basically, his heart was, I'd rather be dead than for you to leave me. Please, please don't leave me. Please don't take your spirit from me. The presence of God, let me say this clearly, the, the, the presence of God meant more to him than the presence that God had to offer to him. Do you understand what I mean by that? Like gifts, presence, gifts. God, the very presence of God meant more to him than the gifts and the benefits. He wanted God in his heart, in his life. He felt like God would be enough. And he was, when he was wrong... Look over in Psalm 116 with me, please. And then I'm almost done. I'm going to show you one more point and we're gone. Psalm 116. Look at verse 1 and 2, though, to finish up this point. When he talked to God, he talked to God from the heart. I remember when I was pastoring in South Louisiana. This came to my mind just now. It was Catholic country. 
And I did my best. I mean, really, really strong Catholic country. We were doing our best to try to reach some of these people for Christ. And I got involved with something called Habitat for Humanity. They actually put me on the board of directors there in our, in our parish. And so we had to meet, uh, you know, with different leaders in the community. Uh, we were building houses for people. And so our church would, would go and participate. We'd fix meals for people and things like that. And um, occasionally there'd be different religions from the city that would be meeting there because everybody had needs. And they asked me to pray one time. And so I did. And uh, one of those, those, I heard those Catholic people talking about it. And they said, you, did you hear the way he prays? He prays like he's... Like he's talking to God. Like God is real to him. What an indictment. Against what they have heard. Do you understand? Listen to the way you talk to God. God's not interested in robot prayers. He's not interested in you getting all your words just right. He's interested in your heart. And when David would talk to God, he would talk to God with all of his heart. Pouring his heart out to God. And God wants that from you. Look at Psalm 116 verse 1 and 2. I love these verses. I've got them highlighted in my Bible. He said, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call on him as long as I live. I love those verses. David had gotten used to talking to God and he had gotten used to God hearing him. You want God to hear you? Be honest with Him. Talk to Him from your heart tonight. Don't try to pray like we pray here in church sometimes in public. I mean, when I talk to God, I try to be as honest as I can when I pray before you. But when I get alone, it's a little bit different for me. A little bit more intimate and personal with the Lord. All right, let me show you one more thing. All right, turn with me to Psalm 9. I'm going to show you two more Psalms. Psalm 9, verse 1. Lord, I prayed, I prayed for you men that you would embrace this and understand that in no way under God's heaven am I trying to place any kind of guilt trip on you or manipulate you. I want this to be from your heart. Psalm 9, verse number 1. Notice what David said. This is the third, the fourth thing I want to mention to you about David that God liked about him and God saw in his heart. David was unashamed, unashamed of praising God. Now I know that you men love the Lord. You've proven it by your faithfulness here, trying to love your wives and your children, your giving, your hard work, your labor of love. I'll tell you something God really wants from you though. He doesn't want you to be ashamed of Him. Now notice in Psalm 9 verse 1. David said, I will praise Thee, O Lord, with what? With my whole heart. And you'll talk about what's in your heart. You'll talk about it eventually. What's in it. What really matters. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Interesting. I think we could say right here, this is David privately worshiping the Lord. 
That's a good place to practice. Is in private. Practice praising God in private from your heart. Now, don't praise Him in public if you can't praise Him in private. Then it's just for show. And God knows that. But every once in a while, you might be practicing so much in private, that it just slips out in here. In a service. Turn with me to Psalm 111 real quickly with me if you please. Psalm 111, verse 1. David said this. We mentioned the private, but here, look at this. Verse 1. He said, praise you the Lord. Psalm 111, verse 1. Praise you the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Probably if David was here tonight and we were singing or heard the choir this morning, he may have gotten a little excited. And probably would have made some of us nervous. But he wouldn't have made God nervous. Because it wouldn't have been for show. David had been practicing that with his own instruments at the house. And when he heard that song, As the deer panteth after water brook, heard y'all on the instruments and began to sing that, he said, man, I wrote that. And he probably, man, would just let her rip with a Hallelujah. Now, if somebody praising God in public bothers you, that bothers God, that it bothers you for somebody to praise Him. Not my job to praise the motive of an individual unless they just cause a distraction. And, and I can tell that it's just put on. But you ought to let people praise God without you getting nervous about it. And without you throwing wet blankets on it. Go to a ball game, you think nothing of somebody jumping up and down and cheering about their son, their grandson, uh, catching a football or making a shot for a basket. And man, you get so excited because you love that child with all your heart. And you come to church and we're talking about the true and living God who saved you, who bought you with the blood of His own Son. And He is a great God. David said, I will praise thee with my whole heart in Psalm 138, verse 1. He praised God and he wanted God to be praised. And God looked down with the Lewis on his heart and said, I like this boy. He loves me. He wants me to be praised, not him. Now David got in trouble when somebody started praising him. Do you remember that? Saul turned on the radio one morning and he heard that David's song was in, wasn't, wasn't just in the top ten, it was the top number one tune. Because Saul was number one for, on the top for months and months. Saul is great. Saul is king. Saul is great. Saul is king. But when David came along and sued Goliath and they went out to the Philistines and they beat the snot out of them, the soldiers began to sing a different tune. 
And so did some of the other women in town. Saul has slain his thousands. Oh, but David, his tens of thousands. David did not write that song. He did not seek the praise of men. Saul did. But he wanted God to be glorified. And I'm just telling you that these are the things, when God looks down upon my heart, I want him to see that I'm, I don't want it to be like a piece of pie and some of the pieces are missing. I want to love that Bible and I want God to show me more in it. That I, if I'm doing something wrong, Brother Kevin, I want him to reveal it to me. Have I ever had to change on some things over the years? I have. Now the Bible says, do not meddle with a man given to change for convenience sake. But when God shows you something and, and it's not completely right, you're going to have to either, if you're going to go on in the light, you're going to have to follow the light and you may have to correct some things in your life. He loved the Word of God. He loved it. He refused to let the criticism and the condemnation and the attitudes of those around him to keep him. He he would not let others determine his destiny and destination. He said, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to do right. I'm going to take a stand for God because there is a cause. So right here, you ought to make up your mind. I'm going to serve the Lord. If so-and-so gets upset at church and they want to move on, that's their business. I'm going to serve the God because there is a cause at East River. There's a purpose. Somebody's always getting sideways. We'd have to build a building three times this size if everybody over the past 30 years was still here. Somebody's always getting sideways about something, about something that doesn't really matter when it comes to death and life and eternity. Serve the Lord. And when you talk to God tonight, talk to Him from your heart. With all your heart. And then praise Him. Praise Him. Thank Him for who He is. Remember? Praise Him. Praise is a little bit different than Thanksgiving. Praise Him for who He is. Not for what He's done and what you're going to get, but, but for who He is. For who He is. Let's stand together, please. Father, as you look down from heaven, I pray, Lord that our hearts would be tender, that they would not be fragmented, but they would be whole, committed, not double-hearted, not double-minded, but they would be committed, Lord, and be purposed in our hearts. Lord, to serve you, to do your will, and to please you with our missions, with our ministry, on Wednesday nights to disciple our people, and even, Lord, with the sanctuary, may our motive be that we could have a place where people could come, lift up their voices, and praise you, and worship you. We sure do need you, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.